Welcome to the Future Built Smarter, a podcast in which I make engineers discuss innovative and trend-setting building and infrastructure design with architects, owners, and others in the AEC industry. I'm your host, Joe Payne, and with me today is my co-host, Mike Lawless. Mike is our Director of Innovation and is coming to us from St. Louis. Mike, how you doing? Good, real good. Glad to be here. A fun topic and excited to talk with everyone again. Yeah, this should be a great discussion today. Today's episode actually is part of a two-part podcast based on a recent executive guide we published entitled Back to the Office. Part of this focuses on strategies that help employees feel safe and comfortable. And to help us cover this topic, today we have with us Charles LeBlanc, one of the co-authors of the guide. Charles is a security expert and project executive who works out of one of IMEG's Texas offices. Charles, we're really happy to have you join us today. Tell our listeners a little about yourself. I'm an electrical engineer, and just like most security professionals, uh, or at least many of them, happened into this. I happened to meet some folks in uh, the security world when security consulting was really just beginning, and it intrigued me as I was going to school and ultimately stayed in it once I got introduced to it. Then I actually became more interested in another aspect of security, which uh, expanded the technical aspects of security into the behavioral side. And so I've kind of focused my career since the beginning on interacting between the, the normal behaviors of people and the effects that security has on those behaviors and vice versa. And that's what's kept me involved and in, in wanting to do this and, and staying engaged in this profession for this long. I've been doing this well over 30 years now, and it, it's required that, uh, that insight and that opportunity to do things in that world uh, that, that blends these two seemingly opposing kinds of things, technology and behavioral science. That's interesting and leads us into our discussion on helping people feel safe in the office, not only as they return from working remotely during COVID-19, but also helping them feel safe in the future in an ever, ever uncertain world. So Charles, let's jump in. What is foremost on people's minds as they think about coming back to the office? So there's a lot of things out there, uh, but the biggest, the essence right now with returning to work has been just a general discomfort. Uh, people have been used to working at home. They're not used to interacting with people. Office managers are trying to figure out how can we safely bring people back and how can we do it in a comforting way and how do we do it in a way that, that doesn't uh, affect anxiety and, and cause people extra strain it's already going to be tough enough getting out and, and doing things that they're not used to doing and haven't done in over a year. What's that going to mean when they come back and how do we make this nice and smooth? And I think, Charles, one of the questions that, that I have, and so I, my role, I'm director of innovation. I've also been the office director of our St. Louis office and the 65 people we have here. And, you know, when you, when you talk to people, there's that behavioral piece and then there's the the technology, the physical changes you might make. And when you, when you look at that and when you talk to people, what's, what's the breakdown? I mean, what is it more is the behavioral piece and that human interaction more important and, or the, the, the physical and what kind of, what's the, the mix and match between those two that, 
that are necessary to kind of make that a smooth transition back to the office. There's far less technical elements associated with return to work than there are behavioral and uh, psychological. The, the return to work is a complex emotional element for people that what we're trying to do is find ways to blend technology to help make it better and just as important, if not more important, not make it worse. And so there's a lot of blending between what we can do on the technical side with systems and, and equipment, but how we blend that with operations and, and the scheduling and all of the complexities of trying to bring people into an office building that was designed, for example, to handle a certain quantity of people over a certain amount of time, but not with the expectations of queuing and uh, gathering that's going to occur if we in, increase the amount of time it takes to screen people and get them ready to come into a building. So it's requiring a lot of rethought and reconsideration about how we operate our buildings that we've never had to deal with in the past. And that's probably the biggest concern is how do we blend all of those things? So what kind of, you know, there's a psychological and the, and the physical and they're going to go together. But what are those, what kind of physical, to start with the physical, what kind of physical things are, are we, are you suggesting, are you seeing that people are, are putting into place that at least, as you said, don't make it more stressful for people to come back than, than maybe it already is for well, that's the interesting thing is that anything that you introduce that people are not familiar with is going to create a level of stress. So the first thing you have to do when you're starting to look at technologies is, okay, what are people going to be familiar with? What are they going to potentially react negatively to? Uh, when, when people first started taking temperatures, for example, when people were walking first walking into buildings, there was a negative reaction to that. It was, a, it was a visceral reaction that people had. They didn't, what's this going on? I've never had this happen to me before. And now all of a sudden I'm having to go through these extra steps. Same thing with masks and all of the other things that go along with uh, our everyday life these days. The object here for us is how do we introduce additional pieces that maybe do not expand that further and introduce elements that are going to further complicate people's lives. So one of the things that we're trying to do from a technological perspective is look at things that blend in well with those practices people are already used to doing. The online world, people are used to working in the online world. So are there things that we can do in advance, for example, to help queuing before people ever get to a site? Can we go through screening processes before they ever come to the office. They can answer questions. They can do things that are normal uh, and things that they're used to interacting with so that when they get to the office, we can, one, we can move them in faster and we have less queuing, but two, we don't introduce a piece of technology that they're not familiar with that there then creates anxiety for them or causes them um, further strain and, and stress in their day and their return to the office. It sounds like a lot of that's on the messaging side too, to set the stage for, Hey, once you come to the office, here's, here's the steps we're going to, here's the steps we're going to take to make you safe. And here's kind of what, what can be expected when you return. 
I think one of the, the interesting things that that we've experienced is depending on the time of year and the time period we've been in this this COVID uh, pandemic, you know, at certain times, you know, parts of the office have been pretty empty. You know, and I think if you extrapolate that out into some of these large buildings, um, you know, there's a lot of empty spaces, restaurants aren't open, things can be pretty quiet. And that feeling of, of having others around you and with you is, is comforting. And I think it can give you a sense of safety. And when that's not there, I think there's can be a little bit of a challenge on the anxiety side. And, you know, in some of these buildings, there's going to be the group that's the first tenant back, you know, and maybe the restaurants aren't open, or maybe folks are coming in two days a week and large areas of the office are, are kind of lightly populated at certain times a day. How, how do you deal with something along those lines? What's, what are the strategies there? Well, one of the, the elements that the online world has not really been good at for, for most people has been the interactive piece. So I think one of the elements that people are most anxious to get back to is the interaction with other people. I think any interaction with anybody is going to be a benefit to those who are coming back to the office. And in, in respect to how that's going to transpire over time, I think that there's going to be a slow increase in the number of people in the building, which actually is going to, I feel, be a little bit helpful because people are used to being alone. If you get reintroduced with people slowly and the, the crowding grows at a slower pace and you don't immediately walk into a very busy building, you're going to be less anxious, right? And it gives you a chance to get that feel. Will it be a little bit surreal when you walk into an office space and there's a whole floor there and you're by yourself or maybe with two or three other people? That's going to be a little bit odd for people, especially since the background noises and all the things that people were used to when they worked in the office are not going to be there to that same extent. But I think that that, that can actually work in everybody's favor because it's going to make life a little bit easier to transition from that loneliness of working from home, it back into the, the, the hustle and bustle of being in a very busy office space. It's just not gonna happen right away because it, it's not gonna be practical. You're not gonna have people coming to work in droves like they did before. You're also gonna have building uh, processes that are going to require staggering of people coming back into the building. So they're not going to get occupied as quickly. For example, when you come to work in the morning, you're not going to be there with thousands of your closest workmates. You're going to be coming in in a staggered way so that there's not as much queuing in the, in the uh, lobbies and you can move people through, especially when you have verticals like elevators. Elevators are really problematic um, and you're going to have a lot of queuing in elevators regardless because we're not stuffing elevators the way that we used to. We can't do that. We have to keep social distancing and, and the elevators are just not designed for social distancing. So I think part of this is what you're saying is the phased, you know, the phased approach to reoccupying a building on the behavioral side is, is, is really helpful because it allows people kind of a transit, a transitional period back into an office and the, and the interactions. And also in my mind, a transitional you know, transitional period back to wearing, you know, regular pants and dress clothes. You know, I think, I mean, I think we'd all be, 
you know, lying if we weren't wondering, are we still going to be wearing jeans and, uh, you know, golf shirts, uh, you know, when we come into the office and a lot of people at home might be wearing, you know, athletic shorts and staying really comfortable. And there's that, there's that transition too that, that we're all going to have to make. So as this, as we transition back into this, um, this, you know, fuller office buildings and those sorts of things, you know, on the HVAC side of things, there's, there's a number of, of products out there, you know, UV filtration and those types of things. And, you know, UV definitely kills viruses. Does it reduce the transmission of, of COVID? I don't know that there's really hard data on that, but up from a perception point of view, it can maybe help on that perception behavioral side to say that there is, there are extra protections in place, et cetera. When you look at that on the security side, are there certain things that you would see being put into place? I know you talked about online screening and those things, but what other kinds of things might be put into place to help people know, hey, I'm coming back to a safe place. The proper things have been done. You know, I know there's messaging to it, but what are what are some of those components to help help people feel comfortable? Well, there's there's one of the biggest concerns that. I would expect is going to occur is going to be with the potential apprehension that people are going to have when they're coming back to work is, okay, well, what happens when I go back to work and something happens where I'm not maybe allowed in the building? Um, how do I, you know, am I going to waste my time driving into work or going into the office only to find out that for whatever reason I'm not allowed in? So I think there's a, there's a messaging element, but I also think there's an a actual processing and handling element that people are going to need to consider. Uh, if I walk into the office and I maybe I have an initial issue, uh, maybe I, I have a temperature reading because I walked into the office and I was, I was walking a long way from a very hot parking lot and all of a sudden I have an elevated body temperature. And, you know, is there going to be, am I going to be immediately rejected and sent home because of that? Or am I going to be um, allowed to have a cool off time? Or is there going to be some other mechanism that allows me maybe to be productive while I'm waiting for these things to settle back in? I think those processes are going to be very important to your lobbies, because I think if you, if you already have people that are anxious about coming to work, if you already have people who are maybe enjoying working at home and now on the fence about whether to come back to the office, and the first thing you do is when they get there is you tell them they can't come in after all, it's going to send a really bad message to those people. And we want to create an environment that's welcoming, but also safe. And one of the, the fallacies of technology is that it is not perfect. And there are cases, for example, temperature detection is a very, very small window of detection range that's acceptable in a very large um, world uh, population that can be affected not just by the person, but the ambient area where you're trying to take temperatures. If I'm taking temperatures outside in the cold, for example, I'm going to get a much cooler reading than if I take a temperature in a very hot lobby that maybe is overheated because I have too many people in it and it's not properly ventilated or where it's next to the front door, right? So there's a lot of different things that we need to be careful of. And to me, 
balancing all of those piece, pieces and parts so that we actually create and we keep the focus on what is the experience that that person returning to the office is going to have. That's how our focus needs to stay. The technology needs to be a piece, but how do we welcome them back and how do we keep it welcome, welcoming them back from the moment they walk into the door or they approach coming back to the office all the way to their office, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, Charles, you make a couple of good points. And a, another question there, too, is I think we've all in northern climates walked into buildings that had temperature scanning stations or automatic scanners. And, you know, we've been 94 degrees and, you know, should be like hypothermic, but it's just because it's 20 degrees and windy outside and that's all the better reading you can get. I mean, you, in the winter, <laughs> winter cold times, it's hard to get an accurate temperature measurement under those conditions. I, I think, Charles, a lot of the, the advice that you've given so far is, a, is around communication and the behavioral side. I guess if you look at the physical or the technology side, you know, I think this pandemic, there's going to be an end to some of these things. Are there any recommendations you're making to folks on the technology side? Here's something that you could do that would help maybe welcome folks back, but also long term, you might want to have be part of your your office or, or your building as well. I mean, are there any anything along those lines that that help now and, you know, that investment would continue into the future with what what they might invest in the the key element so far has been it, it really starts with the visitor management system one of the interesting things is people are becoming much more familiar with visitor management systems and, and we interact with them much more often than we used to in the past and if you recall many years ago the, the visitor management system consisted of a paper log. When you walked in, you signed your name on a piece of paper. You said who you're visiting and, and you know, when you're signed in. And then you would sign out on your way out. That's being replaced with a visitor management system. And, and the nice thing about a visitor management system is it provides a platform for deploying all of these other technologies that you want to do in a very consistent manner. You can just basically add on the pieces that make the most sense for you. And so earlier I mentioned the fact of pre-screening. Well, that's part of a visitor management system. Even though it's employees, you would use a visitor management system to deploy that concept to all of your employees. And then you can add elements, for example, self, um, self-enrollment stations in the lobby. That's becoming a much more prominent element of the lobby these days for regular visitors, but you might expand on those a little bit and create some temporary stations or do things that you can then have uh, check-in points, if you will, for your, for employees. So they can come in, they can automatically check in. They don't have to go to the, to the, the security desk, for example. It reduces the, the impact to staff, the security staff, because they only have to deal with exceptions and not the rule, not every person's coming in. And so that's how we blend the technology in. But it really kind of begins with that, that essential piece, which is a visitor management system, which a lot of people have taken for granted over the years. And it's, a, it's been becoming much more of an integral part of access control systems for the last probably decade or more. But it's really now with the pandemic becoming the forefront of the access control system to a building. Yeah, I mean, I think the... I want to go back to, and I didn't get to make this comment earlier, but we've got a, Charles is an electrical engineer that's in, interested in behavioral science. I mean, that's a, 
pretty cool combination and one you don't find very often. And I think that the benefit in that of that perspective is, and this doesn't this applies to this discussion, but really any of the work that Charles does is it's how do we integrate the things that we do into the buildings that we already have and the technology that's already there. You know, it's not a security, it's not a solution that is an add-on to what's already built or what's already there. It's how do we expand upon things like visitor management systems to provide that comfort and return to the office. And the same thing applies to all the, you know, all the security work that, that Charles does. So I think, you know, the other thing that, that kind of switching topics just a little bit is on the, you know, the HVAC side of the world, um, which is a little bit more my area of expertise. We're definitely getting a lot of questions from owners on, you know, what, what should we do and what, what changes should we make? And I think on, along those lines, and I think this applies to security as well, as you start with, let's make sure everything works the way that it's supposed to work. You know, are we getting the outside air that was designed into the building? Is it controlling appropriately? You know, those, those sorts of things. And then you take the next step of here's the things we can do to improve it. You know, how do we get more outside air in? How do we move air during unoccupied times? You know, how do we make these good decisions to help that HVAC system do, you know, do what it can to help prevent the spread of COVID? Understanding that the primary drivers for COVID transmission are going to be much more impacted by human behaviors. You know, the things, Charles, that you're talking about, how do we, how do we move people through the space? Um, how do we socially distance? How do we ease into this return to, to human interaction that I think everybody's interested to, to get back to with the office? So when you kind of taking a step back, you know, we've all been out of the office for an extended period of time, and now we're coming back is there a period of time to kind of re reacquaint everybody with what those typical processes are just from a security standpoint of, Hey, we're going to have some additional things we might have to do, but we also need to remember, here's the things that we just do as a, as our regular order of business. Well, it's funny. You mentioned the, the mechanical side of the house because there's a very similar circumstance in security, but it's much more profound. And that interaction is, is where I'm kind of headed with this, is that in the mechanical world, if, if for example, if the mechanical system's not working right uh, or is not exactly right, it results maybe in a temperature fluctuation and something where somebody might complain to the buildings, hey, it's kind of warm in here and we want to get things cooled off or vice versa. In the security world, it's a little different because if you if you have something that's not working exactly right, it ultimately leads to a practice that circumvents security. A great example of it is we take it, we take for granted a, an access card, for example. A lot of people are using access cards to get into buildings. The very first time that I use an access card at a reader and it doesn't work, what is my first inclination? It's to prop the door open so that when I come back through again, I don't have a problem. So I've now just circumvented the entire purpose of the security system. So one of the things that we want to do is we want to make sure that those security systems, all elements of the security system work correctly and that everybody is properly vetted and that we know things are going to work and there's not going to be any issues when people come back to the, to the office. We want to maybe also remind them because we may have also implemented new systems 
we may have up, done some upgrades and done some things that now change that interaction with the security systems a little more than what they were before. And so that messaging element is a key element to things. And we always struggle with that with visitors. That's you go back to the visitor management system. We've always struggled with that. How do we convey to somebody who's not familiar with a building, how they're going to interact with the staff and with all of the things that are in this building and, and move around in a productive way? Well, now we have to think about that for our employees, because if our employees come back and all of a sudden they, they experience some kind of a hiccup when they're trying to get into the building, they're going to be inclined to circumvent our security system. So that's probably the biggest element about security that we have to follow up on is to make sure that everybody recognizes the value of things operating on day one correctly and that that will have a profound impact on people if it doesn't work that way. And that's why you have to have all of these things in place. So your procedures need to be well rehearsed. People need to be prepared to talk to people in the right way and to address them and to welcome back. And you want to create an environment that encourages people to come back. So security staff are going to be trained, for example, in communication methods that they're not used to dealing with because they're used to being that interactive person, but also, they're that stopper, whereas now they're going to have to be a much more welcoming uh, person and a receptionist more than they're going to be security just to keep people engaged and, and make sure that they come back. And they're going to have to take a different attitude uh, when somebody is struggling maybe with the new technology. Are they going to take the time to walk them through and get them in, into the building and, and make sure they understand things? That's kind of the element of what we're trying to do here. Charles, to wrap this up, what do you suggest as a first step organizations can take on this issue? I'm sure some have already started down this path, but some have not. I think understanding first what it is that you want to achieve and, and what it is you're trying to do uh, is going to be an important step. Assessing the technologies that you have and the tool sets that you already have assessing the staffing and understanding what what you have as in assets to be able to deploy what you want to do, understanding your lobby and how you can adjust it if it needs to be adjusted to accommodate the new workflows and how you're going to control volumes of people in your facility uh, because what's going to be practical? You have to look at things like your lobby uh, controls, your elevator controls, how what is the typical volume and how do we keep the queuing to a minimum? And what are the tools that we can use to do that? I think those are some of the first steps. You also have to understand what, you're, what you want to present to the public and to your staff. It, what kind of environment do you want them to see when they come in? And establish your policies and procedures to enforce that and to create the environment you want to do, but recognize that you have to create a welcoming environment. It cannot be, you know, we, we kind of gotten used to over the years, a, a restrictive environment. A lobby is there to restrict access to the rest of the facility. And we're going to have to buffer that a little bit because I think people are going to be a little bit more sensitive and they're going to have more apprehension than they've ever had in the past. And so we're going to have to be delicate in the way that we handle these things. I think those are the essential kinds of 
constructions that are going to happen in the background that people need to, to be thinking about as they want to open their, their lobbies and their buildings back up to people. I, I think, I think Charles, the interesting thing with this discussion is just, you know, we've talked a little bit about the physical, but we've talked so much more about the behavioral side. And for those of us, you know, that I'm an, I said earlier, I'm an office director of a smaller office space, to larger security operations. I mean, there's there's going to have to be that focus on the communication plan and the behavioral component to this with a little bit of, you know, temp, potentially some physical changes as well. But that behavioral is really going to be that initial focus. And I think that's really interesting and kind of a shift in thought processes for some of the folks that, that run these office buildings. And to that end, Mike, uh, we will further examine how people's behavior and survival instincts play a big factor in safety and security planning in part two of this podcast. Our guest for that episode will be Ryan Searles. Ryan is a security expert with us as well, and he has an interesting background to say the least, uh, having earned two Purple Hearts while serving in special operations for the military and even chasing down pirates in the Indian Ocean. Charles, thanks for being with us today. And if listeners would like to follow up with questions, visit imegcorp.com, go to our resources page, find our podcasts, and there you'll find contact information for both Mike and me, and we can put you in touch with Charles. Also, if you like this podcast, and we hope you do, you can subscribe to it on whatever app you use. Just search for imeg or The Future Built Smarter. Thanks to everyone who tuned in, and until next time, take care. Mm -hmm.